so today we're going to begin a new series in the book of James. James is the letter to the scattered church, and it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's full of down-to-earth practical teaching and wisdom, and I think it's really going to help us through our own time of scattering because of the coronavirus. So what I want to do is introduce the book to you and its writer, and then following James's example, I want to pass on some practical thoughts for our own scattered church. So the book of James. I love this book. It's got a writing style all of its own. It's like no other New Testament uh, letter. Some people say that actually what we have in the book of James is a copy of the Apostles' sermon notes, which is fascinating. And it's also probably one of the earliest apostolic letters. And it was written to the scattered Jerusalem church, which was largely made up of Jewish converts. And it contains around four main themes. But the central theme that keeps coming back is this, how our faith works, faith and works, the connection between faith and works. And so here's the question that James asks the scattered church. He says, how is your faith working out for you? Is it robust enough to get you through the hard times? Is it, is it genuine? And so as it is tested, does it work in these times of uncertainty? And are you applying your faith to your lives? What wisdom from God can be found in it? Because that's what James is about. And we call it James, the book of James, but actually there's no such name in Greek. That's our Western name for it. Actually, he was called Jacob, which fits much better with the Jewish roots of our faith, which is another crucial factor in this book. We never say, for example, that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac and James. So really, we should call this letter Jacob. And you might think this is nitpicking, but actually it's an important point to make that our faith has deep roots. It was founded a long way back in our mutual Jewish heritage in the promises of God to Abraham and his simple faith, which is that he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so the letter is addressed to the 12 tribes, not that the 12 tribes of Israel existed at that time, but it emphasizes the roots of our faith. We too are sons of Abraham, heirs of that promise. So our faith, it doesn't start in the New Testament. God's plan of redemption is deeply embedded in promises which he has been faithful to for generations. So Jubilee, do you know your heritage in the faith? Do you know the roots of our faith and how far back the faithfulness of God goes. And it's important for us to know the full extent of where our faith comes from. But to avoid confusion, I'm going to call Jacob James. So who is James? Who is James? Well, he introduces himself in James chapter 1, verse 1, where he says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes, scattered among the nations greetings so James first of all we need to know was a brother he was the brother of Jesus he was almost certainly one of Jesus brothers and probably the oldest one he heads up the list in Matthew chapter 13 
Although intriguingly, it doesn't seem like he was a believer until some later point. He even challenged Jesus about what he was doing. He didn't understand his mission. We can see that in John chapter 7. He didn't get Jesus and the miracles that he saw until much later. And we don't know exactly how much later. I mean, can you imagine it? Not believing in Jesus, having grown up with him, having seen his life, having seen his works, having heard his teaching, but not seen him. Actually, I think this is kind of encouraging because even in some of our families, we have children, parents, brothers and sisters who've seen our lives. They've even been to church. They've seen miracles, but they don't have an active faith. They don't have any relationship with God, no acknowledgement of Jesus as their Lord. But obviously, at some point, James made the transition from brother to servant. Literally, the title he gives himself, slave, slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. He calls his brother Lord. And we don't know when the conversion took place, but we do know that Jesus appeared to him after the resurrection. We see that in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. We also know that he was leader of the New Testament uh, Jerusalem church and that he was leader of the team of apostles in, in the Jerusalem council. And we also know that he died for his faith. And James is the only apostle whose martyrdom is recorded in the New Testament. He was stoned to death, the first apostle to die for calling Jesus Lord. So this is the man, James, who wrote to the Jewish church scattered by persecution, the scattered church. He wrote to people who were in shock, people who were traumatized by what they'd seen and heard. The Jerusalem church was torn apart by the murderous violence and threats of Saul, who would later be called Paul. And it all started with Stephen. Stephen, the man who'd done nothing wrong. He is described by Luke as filled with grace and power in Acts 6. He'd served them so graciously. He'd led them so marvelously. He'd performed great wonders and miracles. And Stephen was one of their evangelists, loved and well-known, but he'd just been brutally murdered right before their eyes, mob handled out of the city and stoned to death. And now Saul was after them. And so, as you can imagine, the church were frightened. They were separated by hundreds of miles, spread out across the Roman Empire as far as Phoenicia. That was 315 miles from Jerusalem. Cyprus, 253 perilous miles across the sea, and Syria, that was 404 miles from Jerusalem, unable to communicate, survival uppermost in their minds. And so James wrote to them about their faith. He said, yes, you are scattered, but you will be kept by your faith. Hold on. Don't give up. Keep trusting Keep obeying God. Persevere, church, because it will be the making of you. And, you know, Jubilee, I believe that that's true for us, too. This is going to be the making of us. This is going to be the time when we grow the most. Our faith is going to be strengthened by this time. That's what I believe. And that's certainly what I'm praying for.
And you see, it was their faith that held them together as they were spread out over many miles without telephone, without internet, no social media, no modern transport, just their faith, for which one of them had just been brutally murdered. I mean, can you imagine how some of them must have felt? The grief, the fear, the uncertainty, torn apart, fleeing for their lives, refugees miles from home because of their faith. And I know it's not quite the same for us, but I think there are some similarities. We're not being persecuted, but we are being threatened. We've not had to flee our homes, but we have had to go into hiding. We've not been attacked, but we're having to protect ourselves. And the world is at war with a virus and we've been scattered. Not just the church, I should say. This has impacted people everywhere. So what of your faith? Will you be kept by your faith or lost in some of the overwhelming feelings that you are experiencing right now? And so for the last part of this talk, I want to give some space just to talk about some of what people may be feeling at the moment. I just want to acknowledge these feelings and recognize the very real struggle that we're in at the moment. James acknowledges some of the things that people were feeling in the Jerusalem church later on in chapter one. He talks of people experiencing doubt. He talks about the experience of being blown around and tossed by the wind like a wave on the sea. And some of you may be able to relate to this. And he talks about how these feelings will hinder our faith. It will make it hard for us to receive anything from God. So we need to get some of these feelings out on the table and be honest with one another and also with God. We mustn't be afraid of our feelings. You know, if our faith can't stand up to our feelings, how can we be robust enough to get through the days ahead? Now, we will come on to faith in the weeks to come. But first, what are some of the feelings that we may be experiencing? Well, two of the words that I'm hearing a lot at the moment are shock and loss. Uh, These may not have been the first words that came to your mind, but that's what many people in our churches and our communities are talking about. People are in shock and dealing with a sense of loss of what was the normal pattern of life. We have been completely disrupted. And what's dawning on people is that no one knows how long this will go on for. When When will we ever get back to normal, people say, but we don't know. Perhaps things will never be quite the same again. Shock and loss. And of course, loss leads to grief. A kind of sadness and anger even. Mourning. Mourning what has been lost. Mourning who has been lost, perhaps. Mourning over what could have or would have been. Mourning social connection. And this week, for example, at the end of one of our online elders meetings, I actually felt quite emotional for a minute because I realized how much I missed my brothers. I missed that connection. And then there are other losses that none of us expected, such as birthdays, anniversaries, weddings. We've got a a wedding planned in a couple of months, and we don't know how it's going to happen. And even funerals. I know there's one or two families struggling with that too. How do 
families mark the loss of loved ones in such difficult circumstances. Now, I don't want to make you feel worse by saying all this, but I think we just need to acknowledge these feelings. We need to validate them even, so that none of us ever feel the need to pretend or cover up. You know, it's okay to be real with one another and say, yeah, it's, it's hard at the moment. I feel like that too. Because it's when we're honest like this, when we can, that we can hear our own thoughts and process some of our feelings, not just with people, but even with God. So have you allowed yourself to feel? And have you been able to bring those feelings to God? Because, you know, we can help each other to a certain extent by listening and being there for one another. But in the end, we must direct our fears, our anger and our concern to God. Otherwise, we just moan and complain and that doesn't help anyone or lead anywhere. So this is my encouragement. Be open with people about how you're feeling. And having unloaded, let's be prepared to bring our complaints to God. And the second thing I just want to emphasize is the importance of communication and connection at the moment. Now, the reality is that in social distancing, self-isolation, fear of infection and so on, it means that many of us are actually feeling quite disconnected and alone with our thoughts and our fears. And this is what we can do for one another. Get in touch and stay in touch and look out for one another. You know, I appreciate that church is not an online meeting and neither will online ever fully replace church, but it can help. So connect, even if it's strange or uncomfortable for you. And remember what church is about. Church is about family. Church is about talking and sharing and being affectionate, listening to one another. You know, we belong to Jesus, but we also belong to one another. So get stuck into relationship in a deeper way. We need each other at a time like this. So get get involved in a life group if you're not already. There's details on the website. But whatever it is, I want to ask you to make an extra effort to reach out in this time of lockdown. And find ways to show thought and love to one another. This week, for example, somebody dropped a bag of goodies on our doorstep for no other reason than to show us love. Beer and chocolates. Amazing. Thank you. Oh, there was bread in there too, but beer and chocolates, that was the bit I was excited about. Someone else got in touch, a leader from another church, and said, how are you feeling? Do you know, I really appreciated that, just being able to talk and process a bit of emotion, and we could empathize with one another. But also outside the church, people in our community, not just to evangelize, but to show love and human connection. Have you noticed how easy it is to start a conversation out there, walking on the street at the moment? People want connection. I know all of this can be quite overwhelming. The first few days I went a bit mad. I think I I tried to contact everyone and do everything. But then after a 12-hour sleep, I realized I couldn't keep this up. But you could just contact two people that you know really well at church this week. And then perhaps two people you don't know so well. And then you can make a point of speaking to two other people in your community. Break it down into bite-sized pieces, but we need to connect 
and communicate. And James would tell us that it's in doing these small acts of love and kindness that we demonstrate our genuine faith to one another. He said, I will show you my faith by my works. I just want to finish with this. I want to finish with some practical suggestions for how to get through this time that I've found helpful. First of all, allow some time. Allow some time. You know, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Pace yourself and resist the temptation to race into unsustainable activities that you will wear yourself out with. At the beginning of great change, there's lots of energy and adrenaline-charged activity. But none of us can keep this up, and exhaustion has its own problems. So allow some time. Take some time at the moment. And secondly, try to develop some new patterns of behavior. You know, you may be working from home right now, but don't lie around in your pajamas all day. Get up, get showered, get dressed, get to work on time, finish on time, and soon these will become the new norms. So develop some new patterns of behavior. And thirdly, take control of those things that you can control. At the moment, this feeling of being out of control and everything's overwhelming means that we can't control everything. But there are some things that we can control and bring into order, like a daily reading plan, prayer, exercise, a good meal every day. And those things that we can't control, well, we need to cast all our, our anxiety on him. But these little routines will make all the difference. The other thing I found really helpful is just noticing creation all around me. I said last week, have you noticed the birds seem even louder at the moment? But there's so much nature going on at the moment. So many new plants coming through and bulbs coming up. Trees, the birds, the sky. Do you know, there's something really good just to notice these things and connect through them with the creator of everything. He's in charge and we can trust him. And finally, be thankful and be patient and pray. Do you know, so many of us are feeling thankful right now for the lives that we've lived up until now. Um, Well, this is how James finishes his letter to the scattered church. He says, is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise and so on. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. We need to pray. We need to pray for one another and pray for the world that we're living in. So let me just conclude by saying this. Our faith has got long and deep roots, and they're roots that will sustain you through the most difficult times. We may have been scattered, but we are not defeated. So let's use this time as an opportunity to grow our faith and to come out of this more mature in God than we ever needed to be up until now. But also, let's be real. Let's be real with one another. Let's be real with God. And let's be practical and communicate more at this time. Now is not the time to hide our faith, but to work work it out, to work it out. So more on this next time. Bless you. So as we come to a close, I just want to pray for you right now. And and I, I, I don't know what kind of week you've had or what kind of things are going on or what kind of concerns you're feeling. 
but the God of peace will come to you and will guard your heart. Let me just pray for you. And I know you're sitting in front of a TV screen and all that kind of thing. Why don't you just put out your hands and just allow the Holy Spirit to come on you now. Father, we just minister your peace at this moment. Father, we minister your peace. We receive from you. We receive from your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, make your presence known. Make your presence known. Lord, we pray for your tangible presence to be upon us and to work through us. Father God, we want to give you all our anxieties. We want to cast them at you. And Father, we acknowledge your faithfulness. You are a faithful God and we worship you. And Father, we want to come through this time stronger than we were before. Lord, strengthen us. Strengthen our hands. Strengthen the feeble knees that wobble and jitter at times like this. Lord, make us straight paths for our feet. And Lord, give us opportunities to show love to one another and to people in our community, we pray. And may the name of Jesus be glorified. And Lord, may many people come to you and turn to you in this season for your glory. Amen.